Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. Wonderful to worship with you in a climate-controlled environment, isn't it? It's nice. Those certainly come in handy when you're in Texas in the middle of the summer to get the AC. But actually, it might come in handy this morning as you might get some rain. What a miracle that would be to get some rain uh, around this time of year. Uh, But we're going to talk about zones today. And you know what a zone is. That, That is an area defined by a characteristic, a purpose, or a use. But the way that I want to start this morning is by playing a game. Can we play? game. Is that okay? Okay, so we're, we're going to play a little game. And this, you're, you're competing against the person next to you, okay? So here, here's, what, here's what we're going to do is, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to mention a zone, okay? And when I mention a zone, you either give it a thumbs up if it's a good zone, a thumbs down if it's a bad zone, okay? And you're, you're, whoever gets it first gets a point, okay? So you play it that way. So whoever gets it first, if you, if you get the thumbs up first or the thumbs down, first, you get a point. You're just playing against the person next to you, okay? Do you understand the rules? Because some of you are sticklers for rules, and then you're going to go back, and you're going to say, I lost, but it wasn't fair, and okay? Just want to make sure we're all clear. Okay, here we go. Okay, we're talking about zones, remember? Okay, I'll start off with a very easy one. If, if you get this one wrong, no offense. Here you go. A war zone, okay? Obviously, that, that, that is negative. If you got that one first then you, you got a point, okay? Here we go. End zone. End zone. You want your team to make it to the end zone. That's a sports reference uh, for some of you. Football, you want to make it to the end zone. So that, that's positive, okay? Ready? Danger zone. Unless you're Tom Cruise, um, you know... That, that, that would be a positive, but that is negative. Negative would be, at least if I'm making up the rules, that would be the correct answer, okay? All right, loading zone. Loading zone. That would be a good thing, right? That's a, that's a good thing. You don't park there, okay? But it's convenient when you need to, to load things, okay? Another one, twilight zone. You do not want to be in the twilight zone. Do you guys remember those old black and white shows? Those were pretty, those were pretty fun. I, I used to watch those all the time. Okay, here's another one. Friend zone. <laughs> Come on, that's a negative, all right? That is a negative. Nobody ever talks about the friend zone and they're like, yes, I made it to the friend zone. They're always like, they put me in the friend zone. Okay, that's a, that's a negative, okay? All right, work zone. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a, a negative on that one. Thankful for those who are working in the work zones, but it doesn't, that affects my, my speed in a way that I don't like it to, okay? All right, last one, comfort zone. I will give you a point whether you did a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Because that one is confusing. That we, we don't know if the comfort zone is a good thing or a bad thing. And, and I, I, wanna, I wanna be balanced here because in some ways a comfort zone is always talked about in a negative way, but 
honestly, sometimes it, it's positive. Like, like I hope that, that you have a comfort zone. I hope that you are comfortable in your own skin. You're comfortable with who God made you to be. You're, you're comfortable in your, your gifts. You, you feel proficient in, in the things that you're called to do. You're surrounded by people that, that love you, know you, you can be, be known by. Like that, if you consider that a, a comfort zone, I, I certainly hope that you have that. But as I said, oftentimes when we talk about a comfort zone, especially when we talk about Christianity, we talk about it in somewhat of a negative way. Like, like it's, a, it's a place that we don't want to leave. Sorry, we talk about it in a positive way, but, but we don't ever want to, to get out of our comfort zone. And we always go, we, we talk about it with dread when we go, God's taking me out of my comfort zone. Like, what is he doing I don't want to go there like he doesn't know that, okay, you know? But we talk about it as someplace we always want to stay. But here is my question, and this will set up what we're going to study today. Why is it that the closer we follow Jesus, the further he takes us away from our comfort zone? Why, why is that? The closer I follow Jesus, the more I feel like I'm following further and further outside of my comfort zone. There must be a reason why he wants me to get out of the places that I feel most comfortable. Not that I can't retreat there, not that I can't have that, not that I can't go back to the people that, that know and love me and I can bounce things off of, not that I can't retreat to places of solitude. I'm not saying that, but when I'm following him, oftentimes the steps he's calling me to take are outside of my comfort zone. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So if you will, open your Bibles to Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine. It's page 918. In uh, the Blue Bible, no matter which venue you're in, if you're opening one of those Blue Bibles, 918, and as you're, you get there, who, who won that game? Who was the winner? There are some of you that have no shame in going, I won, right here, right here. Don't play games with them outside of here, okay? Because they are overly competitive. This game, you won nothing, all right? 918, we're picking up where we left off in our unexpected series. And uh, we're going to pick up with a familiar person that we've, we've talked about a lot, which is Peter. The problem is we just haven't talked about him a lot lately. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, really we were focused on Philip and what God was doing in Philip's life. And God was certainly calling Philip outside of his comfort zone. And then we were talking about Saul, who will become Paul. Remember, those two terms were synonymous, the same person. But uh, Acts chapter 9 was really about Saul, and God was calling Saul outside of his comfort zone as well. Today, we're going to pick back up with Peter, who we haven't heard about in a while, but Peter is definitely going to be outside of his comfort zone. So I want to read the whole passage so that you just have an, a, a, a context before we break it down. So follow along with me. We're in Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 32, and we're going to go through verse 43. Okay, follow along. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Leda. 
There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Leda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, There was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Leda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with him. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, and he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive." And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he, that is Peter, stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon a tanner. And we're going to stop right there. May God bless the reading of his word, and may our hearts be open to hear from him. Now, after you read that passage, the Monday morning application immediately jumps off the page, doesn't it? Okay, that's rhetorical. That was a joke. Uh, obviously a bad one. But it, it, it doesn't just immediately jump off the page because you go, okay, Cody, wait. Are you expecting me to go perform miracles? No, I'm not expecting you to go and perform miracles. Uh, remember, the, the sign gifts were given during the apostolic era to specifically the apostles and a few others mentioned throughout Acts so that they could perform these miracles so that people would come and believe. And we see that happening in this passage. So, so that was unique to Peter. But one of the things that I think we can relate to is Peter's being called outside of his comfort zone. If you'll remember who Peter is, because oftentimes when we talk about the apostles, we put them up on a pedestal. But Peter was just a regular dude. Remember who Peter was. Peter was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. He was following in the footsteps probably uh, of his father in the family business. He's he's just, all he knew were nets and fish. That's about it. And then one day Jesus says, come and follow me. Peter drops his nets, begins to follow Jesus, and he doesn't do any more fishing, hardly ever. Actually, when he does fishing, it's, it's not really good in John chapter 21, but that's another story, okay? He doesn't do much fishing. As he follows Jesus, he's constantly being called outside of his comfort zone, further and further beyond what he knows, further and further beyond his capabilities. And so he not only, I mean, he was born and raised in Galilee. Didn't, if you're a fisherman, you fish every day. He probably hadn't left the Sea of Galilee very much until he started following Jesus. And as he followed Jesus, certainly he goes around the regions. But then as we begin the book of Acts, I'm skipping a lot. As we begin the book of Acts, he finds himself in Jerusalem. And remember, in Jerusalem, he is in the temple courts. And he's proclaiming Jesus to whom? 
to these people that are, are Jewish who know the Jewish laws, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had studied it. Guys, Peter was uneducated. He, he, didn't, he didn't know the law like these people that he was talking to. So he is geographically out of his element when he gets to Jerusalem. He is out of his league when he starts talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees when it comes to education. Like he, he, he doesn't know. All he knows is that Jesus is the son of God. And he's trying to prove that as best as he can from his time with Jesus and his changed life. He is out of his comfort zone geographically. He's in a new place. And then we see geographically he's taken even out of there. And he goes in Acts chapter 8, which is actually the last time we saw Peter, into Samaria. And remember, Jews did not want to intermingle with the Samaritans. Do you remember this? Remember, the Samaritans, they were half Jewish, half Gentile. And so the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. But Peter goes to the Samaritans. He's called down from Jerusalem, because remember, Jerusalem's up in elevation. He's called down there because God is doing this great work amongst the Samaritans. That was uncomfortable for him. So he's called out of his comfort zone. We see this in verses 31 and 32. It says, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And we covered this last week. Dr. Bailey covered it here uh, in the sanctuary. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down to the saints who lived at Leda. Now let me show you a map because I've been showing you these, wh where, where they are. When he goes down from Jerusalem, there's Leda. And it's in the plain of Sharon. The plain of Sharon is about, ten, it's a coastal region. It's about 10 miles wide and about 50 miles north to south. And Joppa is right on the uh, on the coast, and we're going to mention all of these places as we study this. Uh, Lida is the modern-day town of Lod, just so you know. Joppa, is, the modern-day town is Jaffa, okay? But obviously, Plain of Sharon is still plain. So uh, that is the, the map. I just want you to understand, Peter is out of his element geographically, and he's out of his comfort zone socially. He's around people that he's not been around before. He's intermingling. It says that he's going uh, here and there. And he's definitely outside of his comfort, comfort zone when it comes to responsibility and what is being expected of him. Because the things that are being asked of Peter in this passage, he has no power of his own to fix any of these situations. And I think if we're all honest, that is when we feel most out of our comfort zone, is when we're around people we don't know and we, don't, we aren't sure that we can meet their expectations. We, we aren't sure that we can fix their problems. We aren't sure that we can measure up to the things that they hope for from us. And that's when we feel most out of our element because the last thing that we want to be, I'll speak for myself, I, I don't want to be inadequate. I, 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 I don't want people to be disappointed in me. I, I, I don't want people to see, see me as less than uh, capable. 
I, 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 would, I would hope that I could, could help people. I could hope that I could do these things. But oftentimes when we follow God, he takes us to people who have problems that we can't fix in our own strength. We can't fix in our own power. And that pulls us out of our comfort zone. And that's usually why we go, I don't want to go there. No, no thanks. But the reason why God calls us out of our comfort zone is because that's where people need him most. Those are the people that need Jesus. And that's what we have to offer people is the Savior and the power that is in him. We don't have anything of ourselves, but we are called to be ambassadors to be able to take Jesus to those folks who need him. And that's what Peter was doing here. And he was called out of his comfort zone to go offer Jesus to people who needed him. So what I want to do is I want to walk back through this passage. And I want to highlight the different types of people that God leads Peter to. Because they're people that exist today in our society. They exist inside of our churches. They exist next to you in the pews. These are folks that that we need to reach out to, that certainly within yourself and your own strength, you are inadequate to do anything for them. But if we offer them what Jesus has given to us, it could absolutely change their lives. And so that's what we're going to look at today. I'm going to show you the different types of people that God calls Peter to, and then I want to show you what we can offer And then I'll remind you of why he calls us outside of our comfort zone. So let's jump in back at verse 32 where I want you to see that outside of our comfort zone, we will encounter people who have been sidelined. People who have been sidelined. Okay, let's go back and read 32 through 35. Follow along. It says, now as Peter went here and there among them all, So remember, he's in the region of Samaria traveling around. He came down also to the saints who lived at Leda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Leda and Sharon saw him. Who is him? Aeneas. Not Peter. They saw Aeneas and they turned to the Lord. So Peter is in that region of Samaria. As you saw, well, it's actually Judea, right on the edges of Samaria. And he's visiting the saints. The the saints. And I want to highlight that. Because oftentimes when we talk about getting outside of our comfort zone, we, we, we talk about people... We, when we think about it, oftentimes we think about it as people that I've never met, people I've never seen, people I've never talked to. And that, that, that isn't always the case of getting outside of your comfort zone. Sometimes you can get outside of your comfort zone inside the walls of the church. <laughs> it, it's, sometimes it's just, it's just right here where people need the fellowship, they need ministry. And Peter is going along and he comes to this man, Aeneas. Aeneas has been bedridden for eight years. Now we don't know why Aeneas was bedridden. No idea. What we do know is it wasn't from birth. It wasn't from birth. And he's a man. So something happened eight years prior that paralyzed him. And so for the past eight years, Aeneas has been in bed and only able to do anything by assistance. 
I mean, if he needs to be fed, somebody has to feed him. If he needs to go to the bathroom, somebody has to pick him up and take him to the bathroom. If he needs to change clothes, somebody has to pick him up and change clothes. If he's going to see anybody, they have to come see him. You just think about this mental state. That is tough. That is really, really tough. And that is where Aeneas is. Aeneas has been sidelined. He once knew a life where he fed himself, where he changed himself, where if he needed to go to the bathroom, he got up and went to the bathroom by himself. And now something has changed in his life and he's confined to this bed. Word gets to Peter. It sounds like he's, Aeneas is a believer. Word gets to him and he comes to him and he says, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up and make your bed. Now, I want to say something very quickly. Uh, Parents, this miracle will not work on your children, okay? I I know you want it to, and you, you may even try it. You know, in the name of Jesus, get up and make your bed. Good luck, okay? I don't know if it'll work. But this is what he's, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up. Rise up, make your bed. You know, you, we, we, I make a joke about it, but guys, he couldn't make his bed. Like, he couldn't beforehand. He, he had no self-sufficiency uh, whatsoever, but it's make your bed and put it in a place where you can get up and leave it, where, where you can go out. And this is very reminiscent of Remember Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, remember Peter and John encountered that man who was born lame from birth and he's begging for money. Do you remember this? And Peter and John come alongside of him and they say, silver and gold we do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Do you remember that? So this is very reminiscent of, of that, but a little bit different in this account. But Peter offers him this healing, but in whose name? Jesus. He, off, he offers him Jesus. I don't want you to think that anything is in, is in the power of Peter here. Peter's not claiming any power for himself, and I think that's very important because we don't need to take on the responsibility of having to heal somebody either. This is, a, this is about Jesus. And what he gives him is he takes him, Jesus takes him off of the sideline and puts him back into community. Because in verse 35, immediately he rises up and all the residents of Leda and Sharon see him and they turn to the Lord. As miraculous as it is that Aeneas is immediately healed, can immediately get up and he is no longer paralyzed. It's also a miracle that he's put back into community that he's put back into fellowship with other believers, other people. And so here's what we can offer to folks who are sidelined or feel sidelined, is this, offer the community of Jesus who can help us get back on our feet. Offer the community of Jesus who can help us get back on our feet. Uh, When I talk about sidelined, Oftentimes people get sidelined in their lives whenever a change, a major or drastic change happens in their life. There's a change in their health. I mean, that, that's this passage. Uh, or there's a change in their career 
or there's a change in their marital status, or there's a change in their location, where they, they move, and they, they get sidelined. And oftentimes when we experience those changes, whatever it is about us in our human nature, we say, okay, I'm going to get settled myself, and then I'll venture out. And what that turns into is we, we, we tend to start off isolating ourselves. And we say, I'm going to just be by myself for a little while, and I'm going to get things under control. I'm going to get my mental health under control. I'm going to get my, my, my marriage under control, or I'm going to get my career under control, whatever that may be. And I'm going to control it, and then I'll venture out. And guys, that's the worst thing we can do is isolate ourselves, especially in the midst of a change, a drastic change like that. We've got to have the community of Christ around us. You have to. And I, I'm telling you this from personal experience. One of the best things we can do whenever we go through dramatic or tragic or drastic changes in our lives is be around community. See, we sideline ourselves and it's the worst thing that we can do. And so offer somebody an invitation into community, uh, if, especially if they're feeling sidelined, especially if they're feeling isolated. See, don't underestimate the value of an invitation. Just invite people. We, we, we take invitations for granted. <laughs> and, and you go, just invite somebody to a Bible study. Invite somebody to attend church with you. Invite somebody to your home group. Invite somebody to, to brunch or lunch after church. Invite somebody into Christian community because we need it. And, and let, let me just say, if, if there are folks that are still streaming from home because of, you know, they started that during COVID and you've just gotten comfortable, I invite you back. Come back. Get out of that comfort zone. We need you. We need you here. And honestly, you need us. And I don't say that from a prideful standpoint, but we are part of a body. And if you are just comfortable staying there, and be, we are missing part of the body. And you're missing the value of the body as well. We need Christian community. And don't sideline yourselves. Get in the game. Let's be in Christian community together. And that's what happens with Aeneas. He's invited back into Christian community. And look at what happens. Did you see what happens in verse 35? When he gets out of that bed, what happens? All the residents of Leda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. God does an amazing work because he gets out of bed. Unbelievable. Now, certainly miraculous, no doubt. But don't underestimate the value of an invitation. Invite people into community. Invite people into relationship. Invite people into the body life, the church life. That's essential for them, and it's essential for us. So when we get out of our comfort zone, we'll encounter people who are sidelined. Second, outside of our comfort zone, we will encounter people who are desperate. People who are desperate. So Peter, uh, there's this miraculous thing that happens with Aeneas and Leda, and then people in Joppa hear about it, and they call on Peter because in Joppa, Tabitha has fallen ill and died. And it says that Tabitha, it, and it says translated as Dorcas, which you go, 
what's that kind of translation? That's weird. I mean, every middle school part in us giggled when we heard Dorcas, didn't it? Okay, let me tell you what it means. Tabitha is actually uh, Aramaic. The Dorcas is actually Greek. And what it means is gazelle. And remember, gazelles were a symbol of beauty that Song of Solomon talks about to his lover, that you are like a gazelle, okay? But husbands, let me just tell you, Dorcas doesn't translate to your wife, okay? So don't, don't try that at home. At least it hasn't worked on Jen. Like, hey, Dorcas. Yeah, doesn't work. Okay, so, so he, Dorcas falls ill and dies, and they, they hear that something miraculous happened with Aeneas in uh, uh, Leda, and it's only about 10, 12 miles away. It's not far. And so they say, hey, we need to get Peter here. So they send two people. They bring him there. So they're desperate. Why? It's not just because a saint has died and gone to the Lord. They're desperate because of the ministry that she had. If you look back at verse 36, it says that Tabitha or Dorcas was full of good works and charity. What were those good works and charity? Well, we get an idea of it whenever Peter comes to Joppa and it says the widows are there and they're showing Peter the tunics and the garments that Dorcas had made. You see, what kind of charity did she have? She was running a nonprofit to widows. She was helping widows to, to clothe them. Remember, there was no governmental subsistence program. There was no social security for widows in those days. That's why widows, that's why it talks about in the New Testament so much how that pure religion is to widows and orphans because there's nobody else to care for them. They depended upon the church to take care of them. And so Tabitha, being a believer, begins to care for these widows and make them clothes where they couldn't provide for themselves. And so her being dead means that nonprofit is dead. They, they need help. It's a desperate situation. And so they call on Peter. Peter comes. He sends everybody outside of the room and prays. And you go, why does he do that? I think there's a correlation. If you go back to, you can read it later, Mark chapter five, when Jesus goes in and heals Jairus' daughter, um, he's probably, Peter is probably just building off of what he's seen Jesus do. Uh, I'm gonna do whatever Jesus did. And so he goes in and he prays for her and she rises up and she, he presents her alive. What's cool about that is um, it relates back to the very beginning of Acts when Jesus presented himself alive. Same, same terminology there, same wording there, where Jesus showed himself or proved himself alive with many proofs in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Same thing here, that she, she is proven alive. He presents her alive to all of these people. But what I want to, to tell you very quickly is that this is certainly out of faith in Jesus that these widows call on Peter. They've heard that in the name of Jesus that he healed Aeneas. But also, guys, this is beyond anybody's imagination. In the book of Acts, no one has been raised from the dead to this point. No one. It, and I mean, the, the thing that had just had, what did they just hear? They just heard that a guy who was bedridden for eight years has been healed and is now walking. So that must mean that 
our friend who died can be raised from the dead. I mean, you get it, right? Direct correlation. I'm being facetious. This is incredible faith that these widows have to say, and, and desperation, desperate faith of, would you come help our friend? Please, come help us. We, we need you to come and bring the, the, the name of Jesus to help us. You see, when I think about what we have to offer for those who are desperate around us, very simply this, offer a prayer to Jesus who can do more than we can imagine. Offer a prayer to Jesus who can do more than we can imagine. Sometimes we devalue prayer. And, and we, we talk about prayer as in, and we, we, we use this phrase too often, all we have left to do is pray. Why is it a last-ditch effort? I mean, we have seen God do amazing things through prayer in our church. We have seen so many amazing things. We have witnessed God work in wonderful ways because we've prayed. Why do we not start there? We can offer prayer in Jesus' name. And who knows what Jesus is going to do? He can work beyond our imagination. And sometimes that's the best thing we can do. We can't fix it. You can't fix everybody's desperate situations, but you can pray. Uh, I've told you guys this before, but thinking about this, it reminded me a few years back, one of my boys, I don't remember which, and it's probably a good thing, they said, Dad, why do people call you doctor because you don't help anybody? <laughs> See, now you know, I'm glad I don't remember who said that. No, just kidding. I'm like, you're right. I have all the respect in the world for medical professionals and they do amazing things and I can't help anybody medically but guess what? I do know the great physician and you do too. You do know the one who can work beyond medicine. You do know the one who can work in ways that doctors say, I don't know how it happened but <laughs> like you have a direct line to him. You do know that. Pray and ask that God can work beyond our own imagination. Where I get that phrase from is in Ephesians chapter 3 when Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. And he says to God, who can do more than we could ask or imagine? Offer a prayer to Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. My God is powerful. Jesus is powerful. He can do things that are unbelievable and amazing. Let me pray for you in Jesus' name. Offer a prayer to Jesus who can do more than we can imagine. And then finally, outside of our comfort zone, we will encounter people who have been avoided. People who have been avoided. At the very end of this passage, there's, it almost, it's kind of a connective verse so that we understand what's gonna happen in Acts chapter 10, but it's not a throwaway verse. In verse 43, it says, and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Now, why is that important to know that Simon, why is it important to know his occupation, that he's a tanner? Because tanners are ceremonially unclean. They were avoided by all the religious leaders. Pharisees, Sadducees wouldn't go anywhere near them because they wouldn't go near dead carcasses. And here's somebody that that's all they do. Salt of the earth, 
guy. He just works with this, but hey, any religious person isn't going to have anything to do with him. And then here's this person who's not religious but has a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he comes and he says, I'm staying at your house. Whoa. He's not, just not, he's not just not avoiding him. He's now dwelling with him, staying with Simon the Tanner. What a testament to interact with someone who's been avoided. I'm gonna have to rush through the rest of this. You guys, offer the presence of Jesus who, had, who always had time for an individual. I'm sure Peter was getting pulled on in every direction. And he says, I'm going to stay with you, Simon, the one that everybody has avoided, just you. I mean, how, how special do you think Simon felt that, that Peter, this, this man that had just done these miraculous things, what is miraculous about this encounter? That Peter just hung out with him? That's it. See, we often... I know, I know that the most precious commodity that you have is your time. And when you give that to someone else, that communicates value to that other person. And Jesus spent time with individuals. Think about how many people were pulling on and tugging on him. Come in my direction, come in my direction. I need help over here, come fix this. Hey, we, we need wine at this wedding over here. We need, you know, we need you to feed these 5,000 people. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm gonna take time to spend, to spend with the woman at the well. Just, I just wanna talk to her. You know what? I'm just gonna talk to Nicodemus for a second. You know, I, I'm, he took time for these individuals throughout scripture. And sometimes a gift that you can give to someone is just sitting with them. Just spending time with them, giving them your most precious commodity, which is time. Somebody told me this a long time ago, that the way you spell love is T-I-M-E. Just giving somebody your time. Offer somebody the presence of Jesus. You are his hands and his feet. To give them a hug, to give them a handshake, to give them your presence that can mean a world to someone, especially who's been avoided uh, their entire life. So expect God to move you outside of your comfort zone. You know, we're talking about this unexpected series, but you can expect that the, clo- the more you follow Jesus, the further he will take you outside of your comfort zone. But what's funny to me is this, if we just follow the pattern of Peter here, the more he gets out of his comfort zone, the more comfortable he is outside of his comfort zone. The more he stretches, the more comfortable, the more it stretches his own comfort zone. So three very quick applications to remind you of why God moves us outside of our comfort zone. First, it's where people need him most. It's where people need him most. Please remember Jesus left his comfort zone to come to us who needed him most. It was probably pretty cozy in heaven, I, I just imagine. And he said, I'm gonna come dwell with these people who need me most. Outside of our comfort zone is where people need him most and it's also where you depend on him most. 
See, we don't want to get outside of places where we have to depend on anybody but ourselves. And guys, when you only depend on yourself, it leads to a life full of worry, anxiety, shame, all, all of those things that are never good and never what God promises. When we depend on him, we have peace, we have joy, we have grace, we have mercy. You want to depend on him, not yourself. And then finally, outside of our comfort zone is where you'll see him at his best. It's where you'll see him at his best. Sometimes people, I, I, I hear it, they feel stuck in their relationship with God or they feel like their relationship with God is, is stale or something like that. Maybe it's because you're just staying inside your comfort zone. Maybe you're not seeing him at his best. Outside of your comfort zone is where you will see him at his best. And honestly, it's where you will enjoy him most. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that your comfort zone is far greater than our own. And that when we follow you outside of our own comfort zone, Lord God, we are right smack dab in the middle of your will. So lead us to those places, Lord God, to, to people who need us. And maybe we're one of those people that feel sidelined, who, who feel uh, avoided or who feel desperate. Lord God, would we find you on the fringes? Would we be brought into community? Would we be brought into a relationship with you, Lord God? It's the only place that life is found. May we remember that so that you're the only thing we offer. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.